In order to improve, we have to let go of what we did yesterday. I'd like to welcome David Marquet to the Productivities Podcast. David, thanks for joining me today. Mike, thanks for having me on your show, and welcome all listeners. So the book is called Leadership is Language, and as soon as I read the title, I'm like, okay, uh, there is there's some subtext here, which is of course language. What what, <laughs> do, you, what do you what when when you're what what led you to write this book, and why is the understanding of leadership being a language so important? Yeah, so uh, I wrote a book called Turn the Ship Around, which was my story as a submarine commander and experience I had, very unexpected experience as a leader where basically I ended up turning everything on its head, I mean, giving control instead of taking control. Uh, when I gave orders, which I tried to do as rarely as possible, trying to create as big uh, of a sense of ambiguity as possible and let people interpret it if, if possible. And then also try not to be as deterministic. Everything was a probability. Well, I think I, th I got an 80% that, that the enemy is here, but there's 20% the enemy's not here. Well, these were all things we had to learn. We had to learn how to talk in a different way. And the and language, and, and basically you can't control, the, the ship I took over was the worst performing, had the worst morale, and there's a lot you can't control, who's coming, the structure, the schedule, the schools people go to, but we could control the way we talk to each other. And it turns out this is hugely, hugely powerful. And so this book, Leadership as Language, goes deeper into that. And, and the basic hypothesis is that, uh, so we go to organizations and they want to be enlightened. They want to let their people have decision-making authority. They want to run meetings where it's safe to speak up. But over and over and over again, the pre-programmed language that people would default to was unhelpful. And I felt it in myself. I felt myself saying, so does that make sense? Mm. Well, that's, that's self-affirming. In other words, it makes it easy. I just want head nods. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. We good? Uh-huh. And, and the problem is what you really want is to make it easier for people to disagree. It's already easy to agree and hard to disagree from a social perspective and from a hierarchy perspective. So what you need to do is go push the seesaw in the other direction. And so over and over and over again, we came up with these, well, you know, don't say it that way. Say it this way. Here's another example. Uh, we'd ask questions like, is it safe? Will it work? Should we launch the product? And these are all binary. Right. And the person could be feeling, should we launch the product? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you really didn't learn anything there. If you said, how confident are you in product launch or how strongly do you support product launch next Wednesday? And they say 98% or 52%, you learned a lot and then you could dig, dig into it. And when, and then when you get the team responding that way, it's much more nuanced and we learn a lot. But it turned, but over and over and over again, the way we would see meetings run was the unhelpful way. I want to talk about the idea of red work and blue work. Because when I, when I opened up the book and looked at it, as an outsider, because I'm a Canadian, I'm like, red and blue. When I yeah. hear red and blue, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, so 
just for clarification, <laughs> just for clarification, what, like, what are the, the, these concepts of red work and blue work? Can you, can you share with my audience what, what those mean? Yeah. So the, the, they're apolitical terms in my context. So the idea is, and, and, and this came from the way we thought about work on the submarine, which was very, very helpful, which was there's two kinds of work and they use your brain differently and they have different approaches to variability. The work that most of us do, the work itself, is what we would call red work. So a typical classic, classic red work is a person on an assembly line. Simple, physical, repeated tasks. Now, they could be complex tasks. It could be coding. But it is the work. It is, I'm, running an oper I'm operating on a patient. I'm flying an airplane. I'm writing code. I'm checking someone into the front desk of the hotel. I'm operating a nuclear power plant. Whatever it is, it's the work itself. And the, and, and the idea is... Red work benefits from us being focused. You got to pay attention, mm. right? Yep. So see there, I said, right. See, self-affirming. I even don't even follow my own advice. So, so what you want to say, by the way, is you know, how, what didn't make sense? What could be wrong? Uh, what was unclear? So anyway, so red work is the work. Blue work is thinking about the red work. Blue work tends to be cognitive. It tends to be a little more complicated. It tends to re involve other people. And the key is blue work benefits from variability. Red work is hurt by variability, manufacturing, productivity, following a process. You don't want variability. But blue work, we say, oh, let's get some new ideas. All innovation is variability from the status quo. So the problem we see is, is organizations apply a red work rule book or a red work playbook or red work language when what they really want is blue work. And so the result is that they're reducing variability. We'll go to a meeting and say, hey, so I'm trying to get everyone on board here. That's reducing variability of thought when what they want to be doing is the opposite. And this is the exact same impact that's saying, that, does that make sense, mm -hmm. right? I'm reducing, I'm collapsing everybody's, I'm just making it harder for the outliers to speak up. And, this, and then we know from research that teams where outliers speak up are more robust, they're more resilient, they're more innovative. All innovation starts in position. The thing that we already all think is not an innovation, newsflash. It's the thing that sounds weird to us. Hey, we could do ABC, that's weird. That's a, that's a potential innovation. So, so the idea is be clear, are we doing red work or blue work? If, if you're doing red work, then you wanna be focused, you wanna avoid, uh, variability, processes, operations, running nuclear power plants, safety procedures, wear your seatbelt. I don't want you to wear your seatbelt some of the time, there would be variability. I want it all the time, low variability wearing your seatbelt. But then it's like, well, where are we gonna go tonight? That's blue work, what's decision? What decision are we gonna make? It's blue work, we wanna embrace variability. So the, the rhythm of life and the rhythm of work oscillates back and forth between these two. Let's talk a bit about the the, the playbook. Um, you know, you, you call this like a new playbook for leaders. Why? I mean, why would why is it a playbook per se? Is it just because there are these like it's a that combination of okay, here's the red work, here's the blue work. Like, what is that? How do you lean into that as a playbook per se? So the play, so that that's the basic framework, and you can sure. But but the idea was I, I found in the patterns of, of of language that there were these certain recurring situations. So for example, a team has to make a decision. 
or a leader gets bad news, or you hear something unexpected, someone brings some um, some new information into the situation, uh, someone challenges you, someone uh, says you're, the decision that you made or are about to make is bad. And there are these sort of standard situations that come up over and over again, they come up we're dealing with our families, they come up at work, and we respond in certain ways. And to me, it started having this idea of it's like a play, it's like a football play. And I just, ha- I was like mulling this over and how am I gonna talk about it? And I got on the airplane, it's flying from, um, I was flying from San Francisco back to Tampa uh, on the red end. A guy sits down next to me and he plops out this big football playbook. And it's got an Oakland Raiders, logo on the front he has three of these big binders honking binders and i said is that a playbook he goes yeah oakland raiders playbook i said that's cool tell me about it and um he said well and he flips it open and the first all the plays at the beginning don't have anything to do with football they have to do with how to behave in the locker room on the practice field right uh, in life and I said, well, how, why is it organized like, why, why'd you organize it like this? And he said, and his first words out of his mouth are, it's all about language. And I'm like, who are you? And he's like, he's John, who turned out it was John Gruden. Yeah. Just got signed to be head, <laughs> head coach. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. I didn't know who you were. Like, for, <laughs> just signed a hundred million dollar contract. I'm like, oh yeah. Hey, John. Yeah. John Gruden. So anyway, I was like, that's it. It's a playbook. That's a sign from the heavens. And uh, so, so anyway, at least from sort of an American perspective, it to me it's the really it's the really exactly the right metaphor because we really need to rescript these plays. The problem is businesses are saying let's run the old play better, let's keep running that play, but the problem is they're just running the wrong play. Right, right. And and to your and to your point about blue work and red work, I mean, I remember reading the score takes care of itself by Bill Walsh because I'm a I'm a huge football fan and I mean I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. a I'm a huge Bengals fan unfortunately yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you know we might get Burrow so there you go uh, in fact by the time this comes out we might already have him but um he was talking about like the fundamentals and that's that red like I mean the blue work to to your point is what you use to evaluate to make sure the red work is the right work which yeah. is right yeah so the blue work comes before and after the red work right so when 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 teams are teams that are not thinking about what they're doing are just doing red work although they're just renting dvds they're making print film they're doing whatever they're doing and they're doing it because they're good at it and they just keep doing it but they're not evaluating and the world changes and they missed it and then they're out of business right so so a unit of work is a decision to do something and then you launch into and then you do it and then you pause and you reflect afterwards and this this pattern decide do pause and reflect is what the leader needs to focus on and for example how the one of the key questions is how long do i do something or how long do i think about it before we commit to doing it and when things become dicier when things are moving faster when things have become more uncertain the key is you got to make those doing cycles you got to shorten it up Mm. So if teams used to be doing three-week sprints and now COVID-19 comes along, you, maybe you're doing one-week sprints. Maybe you're doing one-day sprints. Maybe at the end of each day you're saying, okay, let's reevaluate. What, how should we adjust course? What new products should we be looking at? Uh, so if you're used to doing 
uh, we'd run a process for, for a quarter and then we'd evaluate, hey, let's look at the data for the last three months, how we've we been doing. Uh, you might want to shorten that up to like one month. And that, and, and that evaluation, that review of the data is the blue work part of it. And then what you're going to do about it is blue work. And then you commit and you change the process and then you go to red work. But here's the key. It's not, you don't keep tweaking the process because if you keep tweaking the process too much, then you never get stabilized data. Right. Right. And I mean, I've talked about that with my own productivity uh, framework where people are like, oh, I've, I've, you know, I say theme your day. So give your day a theme based on the things you know to be true, work around your certainties. And then they'll say, okay, so like this Monday is my admin day. And then next Monday is my, my, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, communication day. I'm like, no, 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 no. Monday needs to always be admin day because otherwise, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Like you have, <laughs> other, it, you, otherwise it's not going to work. Right. Okay. It's a mess. Right. And it creates ambiguity, which adds a cognitive load. Don't let there be, don't let people spend cognitive load. So I was working with a construction company. This was funny. And, um, they were doing they were doing well, and it was a it was a site they were building luxury condos on the waterfront of one of the East Coast cities, and they had the they had the plans in their in, in in the trailer where they had their meetings. They had the plans taped on the wall. One was the concrete plan, the electrical plan, the site plan, these different plans. And I walk in there, they're all different directions. Like in one plan, like which way is north? And I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, north is that way here, but it's that way there. And like this is crazy because every every planet. So let's make them all the same. And oh, by the way, let's make it. So, for example, the trailer was in a certain location on the site and was oriented in a certain way. Let's make it actually. So when I look out the window and I'm sitting next to this plan, that the thing that I see would be logical based on what the. So is an example of making making it's a totally unnecessary cognitive burden. Anytime you ask people to make translations in their minds, mm. um, linear to circular, Jargon. left, right, right, left overusing jargon that yeah, jargon what do you really mean ambiguity in the words that we use so the most basic thing for an organization is to have an organizational dictionary right and i i've been to organizations where i go down to the customer service people and they're saying well our customers blah 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 and then you go and you talk to the engineers and they say well our clients da, 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 da. And then you talk to the marketing people and they talk about our our ABC leads. I was like, well, who are like, what? And like, they're no, that's the same as this. Like, well, why don't we just say the same word? It removes, they can't even do training together because they don't even understand the language. And like, I don't care what you call it, but let it be the same. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier. Thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. 
Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productiveconvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the conversation, but when we come back, David's going to explain what he means by the be good self and the get better self, which is something he references in the book, as well as one of the simplest or perhaps best actions that you can take to get started with using leadership as language today. But before we get into that, I want to share some thoughts with you on another way that you can level up your leadership, and that's through the UCI Division of Continuing Education. The UCI Division of Continuing Education has courses and certifications in a wide range of categories, from business and leadership to IT, project management, law, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online design for the working profession. Established in 1962, the UCI Division of Continuing Education has been offering education for adult learners in Orange County for over half a century. 
and they maintain over 30,000 enrollments from students worldwide each year and offer hundreds of exciting courses and programs to local, regional, and global constituencies. You get convenient, quality, online education. There's never a better time to take advantage of what the UCI Division of Continuing Education has to offer. And as you can hear, the UCI Division of Continuing Education is not a new thing. They are not new to online education. For years, they've been providing students with quality online courses. And you can learn on your own time online. Now, you can use continuing education as a way to stay abreast of developments and best practices in your field. Now, let me explain the difference between certificate programs and specialized studies programs, both of which are available. Certificate programs offer an in-depth body of knowledge to ensure you gain mastery of a particular topic. Specialized studies feature shorter, more concentrated curricula for those that are short on time. Now, both are distinctive achievements that can help prepare you for career advancement or transition. Now, spring enrollment is open today. So you want to go to ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get 15% off of one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get that 15% discount off of one course. Now, this offer is only valid until July 31st at 11.59 p.m. And the discount is for almost all of the certificate programs. The exceptions only include coding boot camps, international programs, teacher credentialing programs, and test prep courses. So don't delay. Enroll today. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get your 15% off of one course now. And this is normally where I would talk about my productivity as podcast pick of the week, but I want to take it to you this time around. I want to hear what you're listening to because I've got a plethora of podcasts that are on my playlist, but I'd like to hear what you want to listen to and what you might to want to recommend to me as a podcast that I could check out. So if you have a podcast that you're a fan of, or maybe it's a podcast that you host, I'd love to hear from you. Maybe it can be one of the productivity as podcast picks of the week. Just Send me an email at podcast at productivityist.com and let me know what podcasts you listen to. I'll add them to my playlist and I'll see whether or not it's one of those ones that I make my Productivityist podcast pick of the week. So again, email me at podcast at productivityist.com with your podcast of choice or your list of podcasts of choice and I'll give them a listen. Now, let's get back to my conversation with David Marquet here on the Productivityist podcast. I want to shift gears for a second and talk about... Uh, the idea of the good self, the be good self, and the get, oh, yeah. and the get better self. Yeah. That I mean, I'm not saying it's ambiguous, but <laughs> like, what's the distinction there, so that people don't? <laughs> What's the difference between being good and get? You felt it. So the be good self, the be good self, is rooted in proving that I'm worthy, that I deserve my salary, that I'm a good person that I can hold my head high when I go to the coffee machine and I feel good about my life. And the, the be good self is constantly trying to prove itself. It's trying to say, oh, look what I did. Oh, wasn't that project good? Oh, no, 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 I didn't make any mistakes. So unfortunately, the be good self tends to be closed, defensive, and, and allergic to feedback. Mm. The get better self, has a perspective of, well, how am I going to be in six months? How am I going to be in three years? Am I going to be doing the same old thing? Am I, am, I, am I going to be no better than I am today? And the get better self strives 
to be improve. But the problem is that get better. So in order to improve, we have to let go of what we did yesterday. We have to admit to ourselves what I did yesterday wasn't as good as it could have been. Otherwise, there's no, no improvement. So the, the problem is that the get better self and the be good self don't get along. And the be good self, in toxic environments, the be good self, it feels unsafe and the be good self is the one that's in charge. And we, we, I, and we hear in the language, well, everyone did the best they could, but we sucked. Or John, what John, it's not your fault. You didn't have the resources. And we have, have to have all these excuses. In healthy environments where it's safe, we just give up the past, even though we were the ones that created it. And we say, well, how would we do it better next time? If we knew what we do know now, what, what would we so do different? And, and we don't spend time being defensive about who made what decision when. We just learn and move on. And those organizations are healthier, they're more adaptive, and they're the ones who are doing better during this coronavirus. I want to talk about the idea of intent-based leadership. Literally before we hopped on the call today, I got an email that you have a course that you're teaching Therapath right about intent-based leadership. And I talk about yeah. intention and attention as being the like real cornerstones of productivity. Mm. The other stuff, efficiency, effectiveness, those I think those are byproducts of it. But unless you have intention partnered up with attention, then you're going to be doing a lot of the wrong things or things in the wrong order or, or what have you. What, how do you, like, this obviously ties into the book about being in, like intent-based leadership. Can you, can you explore that and share that a bit with my audience? Because I think that there's some real power behind that. So again, it, it's, it's about the language that we use. So let's say you want to have a quote, empowering workplace or empowerment, or you want, you want, whatever that means. So first question is, what do you mean by that? Well, the way we approach it, because everything comes from our language, stems mm -hmm. from our language, is what the question we ask ourselves, what would it sound like if? I say, well, what would it sound like? So, so the CEO says, this person needs to be more, feel more empowered. They need to act more empowered. I said, what would it sound like if they were more empowered? Um, they would come to the meeting and say this. Okay, so we catalog these different things that people would say. Right. And there's a structure to it. At the bottom of the ladder, people say, tell me what to do. And then we say, well, how does the boss respond to that? And we always go, we'll let, we call it leveling up. So next wrong is what do you see? It's not what some people, a lot of people make a mistake and say, well, you know, you tell me what you would do. This is too far, too fast. This is That's level five or six. So we say, what do you see? Just description, feel safe. Then what do you think? then what would you do? What would you like permission to do? And from the other side is, hey, hey, I like permission to do it. Now, the key with permission is it doesn't happen unless the boss says no. So if you send an email, I'd like permission to do the following, and you never get a response, it never happens. Level five on the ladder, there's seven steps. Level five mm -hmm. is intent. This is what I intend to do. Now, the key is, there are two keys. Number one is it activates a conversation before the decision is made. Because it's not like, here's what I did. Right. It's here's what I intend to do next week, next month, tomorrow, whatever, two minutes. And here's why. And here's why it's the right thing to do. And here's why it's safe to do. And if the boss doesn't respond, you don't, no one responds to that email, you know what happens? It happens. And so there's a bias for action. And that's the second thing. So it's 
sparks conversations, so there's transparency, it's inviting feedback, and there's a bias for action. So we, our experience is that this word intent is a magic, 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 magic word, because in most organizations, it, most people think that these ideas of distributed decision-making where everybody's thinking and taking ownership and unity of effort are at cross purposes. I have to trade one for the other. I kind of have high command and control, I get great unity of effort, but I got low distributed decision-making, or I can have high levels of empowerment, but it's then I have sort of a random assortment of actions which are only vaguely coordinated. <laughs> but with intent, you get both. And it, un, it decouples the traditional relationship and you get distributed decision-making which activates ownership, thinking, and, and it feels good because you're making decisions and you're using your brain like that's what humans like. And then, and we get coordinated unified effort and the team's working together. So we think it's a magic word. Before we wrap up, David, I just want to give my audience members, the listeners here now, they're going to go pick up the book. We're going to link to it in the show notes, but if they want to get started today with applying the leadership as, as language, what, what can they do? What can Start they do? your question with the word how. Okay. Stop saying... Listen, well, listen, just listen to yourself and, and just think about how many times you say you just give a programmed automatic response and what are the different kinds of situations. But a, one, of the, one of the ones is how we ask questions and we tend to ask questions. A lot of the questions we ask tend to have a secret agenda. We're trying to, hey, did you think about the customer secret agenda? You didn't think about the customer and I need to teach you that. Uh, hey, why would you want to do that? Secret agenda. I think that's a dumb idea and uh, you need to really prove it. So you want to try and remove those secret agendas. And one of the best ways to do it is to start the question with the word how. It makes it more neutral. It makes it open-ended. And instead of boxing the person into saying, for example, should we launch a product on time? How strongly do you support it? So we um, talked about it at the very beginning, but I, I think it's a very simple and easy way to just think about the language that you use and practice uh, some different phrases. And you try different things, but you'll see what we see in general is that if you ask better questions, you're going to get more thinking and better responses. David, this has been a fantastic interview, fantastic conversation. I mean, I'm really, really I mean, the great thing about this is that. Um, I love the meshing of like the things like the red work and the blue work, I think was one of those things where when I read, when I, when I went through the book, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. <laughs> There's a lot there that, that, that I think people would, they can apply this, not just organizationally, but even in their own, like they don't have to just do this inside of an, they can lead their own lives this way. Right. Like they yeah. can go, you know, this, this is when I need to operate this way. This is when I need to operate this way. Yes. Um, where can people learn more about you and your work and keep up with what you've got going on? Yeah, so uh, grab the book, Leadership is Language. Let me know what you think. Send me an email, david at turntheshiparound.com. That's my first book. Uh, we are, our thing is called Intent-Based Leadership, intentbasedleadership.com, uh, LinkedIn, Intent-Based Leadership Institute, social media, at L. David Marquet, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T. If you just Google intent-based leadership or David Marquet, you'll probably get there. The most fun thing I think though, is go to YouTube, type in leadership nudges. And we have these little one minute videos we put out once a week, just little snippets, things like, Hey, start the question with how, 
uh, hey, uh, vote first, then discuss, not discuss, then vote first. And, and these are just little tidbits and reminders of how you can be the leader that you probably want to be. And uh, you don't need more training. You, you just need an occasional reminder. David, thanks so much for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast. Cheers, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show.